Hi there, Crimes Against Nature fans. This is your host, Julie Bryant. Today, I'm bringing you a case that even though it's almost 10 years old, is one the horse community has really never forgotten, and one that sent shockwaves through a small Arkansas university. It's a case entangled with a toxic family environment, coercion, arson, and death. This is the case of the Southeast Arkansas University rodeo team stolen horses and what Mama knew. If you've been following the Crimes Against Nature podcast, you know that I work to include law enforcement or individuals involved in the case. But unfortunately, the prosecutor in this case has since died, and my attempts to reach the Southeast Arkansas University rodeo coach and others involved in the case were unsuccessful. So I'm going to try to give you this story in a way that will focus on the horses, what they went through, and what happened to the survivors after they were found. Luke Ware was a freshman at Southeast Arkansas University and was excited about being a part of the rodeo team, as well as the upcoming Southeast Arkansas Homecoming Rodeo the first weekend of November. He was surprised then when a fellow freshman on the team, J.C. Ray Jackson, told him that she was thinking about switching schools. Now it happens that through the luck of the draw, J.C. Ray's horses were not stalled at the mule rider stables with the rest of the rodeo team's horses. There hadn't been enough room, so she kept her horses elsewhere. But in that late October afternoon, J.C., along with her mother's boyfriend, Billy Hamilton, walked through the barn with Luke as J.C. asked Luke about specific horses and where their stalls were. She made notes in a little pink notebook as they walked, saying she was comparing the barns at Southeast Arkansas to the ones where she would like to transfer. In the late night or early morning hours of November 2nd, 2011, a white Ford King Ranch pickup pulled up to the Mule Rider Stables, located in the small town of Magnolia, Arkansas. Two men got out and walked over to the trailers lined up against the fence. Checking the tongue of the trailers for connections, they decided on one and hooked it up to the Ford, pulling it closer to the barn. Soon they were leading horses out with halters. One, two, three, and then finally a total of five horses. It's likely the horses were surprised at the late night interruption as their owners had left long ago after checking on them, feeding and watering. This would be the last feed and water they would see for some time. Ashley Mills was the first to discover that her horse, Badger, was missing and called SAU rodeo coach Rusty Hayes, who thought the horse had just gotten out and would be close by. But when he got to the stables, more horses and a trailer had been discovered missing as well as tack stolen out of the barn's tack room. Among those horses was a champion roping horse called Credit Card, owned by team captain Sean Smith. Coach Hayes contacted the SAU police immediately. Magnolia is just about an hour from the Texas state line and two hours from Oklahoma, so law enforcement issued a bolo, or what's called a bee on the lookout, for the missing horses and trailer. The thieves, they knew, already had at least a six to eight hour advantage. Still, shortly there was some good news on Thursday when the stolen trailer was discovered in Tom, Oklahoma, first spotted by Oklahoma law enforcement near the home of Wendy Cox. 
J.C. Ray Jackson's mother. I'm going to pause here for a moment just to give you an update on a case that we covered in our last episode, and that was the case of the butchered horses that have been uh, killed in Florida, Pearland, Texas, and just outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, in the Pearland case in particular, those cases are particularly disturbing because they happen so close to one another, and they are in a fairly urban area uh, outside of Houston. So the Humane Society of the United States is offering a reward of up to $5,000 for information leading to the identification, arrest, and conviction of the person or persons responsible for the killing and dismemberment of those five horses. This brings the total reward to $25,000. And so far, what we know is that there have been no arrests and no significant tips in the case. If you do have any relevant information, you're asked to contact the Pearland Police Department at 281-997-4202, or you can email a detective at jpage, J-P-A-G-E, at pearlandtextx.gov. Now, I'll have this information on the website, on the page that gives you more information about those butchered horses. Just go to crimesagainstnaturepodcast.com to learn more. Now, back to our story. Wendy Cox was well known among law enforcement in Hayworth, Oklahoma. According to the book Rough Stock, she despised law enforcement. She would flip them the bird whenever she saw one and was always combative when stopped. So when the bolo went out on the stolen horses, it was no surprise that the McCurtain County Sheriff's Department would do a drive-by on her home and that of relatives in the area. The trailer was eventually found behind the house of Max Cleveland, Wendy Cox's uncle. In the meantime, suspicion was growing around J.C. Ray Jackson, who was really bad at keeping her mouth shut. While investigators continued to explore Wendy Cox's possible connection, her daughter, J.C. Ray, was under the microscope, too, thanks to friends whose conscience wouldn't let them keep their suspicion to themselves. First to go to the police was Brooke Bollinger, a friend who rode horses with J.C. Ray and who told police about strange comments J.C. Ray had made about how easy it would be to steal horses from the mule rider's stables and how she was really mad at some of the members of the rodeo team. Then Kevin Clark, who had known J.C. in high school in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, came forward with his story. According to the arrest warrant filed in McCurtain County, J.C. called him asking for help in moving some horses. Then she admitted they were the stolen horses. She claimed that members of the SAU rodeo team had attempted to rape her, so in retaliation she had wanted to steal the horses. She told Clark they could be found near her mother's house but the story would grow even more horrible. It would be two weeks before the horses were found, and it wouldn't be good news, but the way they were found was pretty clever. Coach Hayes, acting on a tip from the McCurtain County Sheriff there in Oklahoma, loaded two horses in a trailer, one of them belonging to student Ashley Mills, and headed to an area known as a pine plantation near Tom, Oklahoma. It was heavily wooded and muddy, so they were unable to get very far along a rarely used road. Unloading the horses, they tied one to the trailer, and the other, a mare named Cotton Candy, was led into the woods. 
In her account to the Magnolia Reporter, Ashley Mills said the idea was to have the horses nicker to one another, as horses often do when separated, and hopefully the missing horses would be close enough to hear and would nicker back. With that plan in place, Coach Hayes and Mills waited, and shortly, Cotton Candy nickered. And faintly, in the distance, another nicker responded. But what Hayes and Mills found in the woods would be devastating. Taking a little break again to tell you about something that I find really, really important, especially since my daughter is a veterinarian that I want to tell you about. And it's the Not One More Vet Race Around the World to raise awareness about veterinary suicide and to promote well-being within the veterinary community. Not One More Vet is inviting everyone to join the race around the world, which started on September 1st and will go through November 10th, 2020. The goal here is to accumulate 25,000 miles representing the circumference of the earth and their goal to reach veterinary professionals around the world. According to their press release, COVID-19 has created an elevated sense of urgency in providing wellness resources to those in the veterinary profession dealing with additional stresses due to the pandemic. I wanna urge you to get involved with this virtual race that will raise money to address these concerns. And to learn more about that, registration has already started. You can go to www.nomv.org. That stands for notonemorevet.org. Now, back to our story. According to accounts in the Magnolia Reporter, four of the five horses were found in a small clearing where their heads were tied really high up in the trees. For two weeks, they had had no food or water, and at this point, their ribs and hip bones were prominent. Mud surrounded the horses where they had stomped and kicked, trying to free themselves. Bark and pine needles had been chewed from the trees as the horses had desperately tried to fill their empty stomachs. What you need to know is that a horse needs at least 10 gallons of water a day in order to sustain its internal organs. Most will not survive longer than six days without it. So think about this. After two days tied to the trees, the horses would have become lethargic and soon they would begin experiencing muscle spasms and pain. As the days wore on, they would stomp and pull trying to free themselves and fight insects biting all over their bodies. Fatigue would set in. Their hearts would begin to beat erratically. Starving, they would begin to eat the bark and pine needles around them, just trying to get a little bit of nutrition. Any longer, and they would eventually suffer from colic or die where they stood. So it was nothing short of miraculous that the four horses were still alive. The champion roping horse credit card, however, was nowhere to be found. The four surviving horses were loaded into the trailer and taken immediately to a veterinarian where they were treated for their dehydration. Coach Hayes called the students who owned the horses and let them know that their horses had been found, but he cautioned them because their once beautiful and athletic horses were in very serious condition. They were weak, dehydrated, had no muscle tone, and on average had lost between 300 and 400 pounds. According to Kevin Clark's and other court testimony, as well as J.C. Ray's arrest warrants in both Oklahoma and Arkansas, J.C. Ray had gone home the day after the horses were discovered missing. 
She claimed that initially only two horses were supposed to have been stolen, but her mother's boyfriend, Billy Hamilton, and his teenage sidekick, George Barish III, decided that more horses should be taken with the plan to sell them. That plan was quickly abandoned because of the heat from law enforcement. So J.C. Ray, along with Hamilton and Barish, attempted to ride the horses across the Texas line where they planned to turn them loose. But they just ended up wandering in a circle until they were back about a mile from her mother's home. J.C. Ray had told her mother, Wendy Cox, that credit card was well known in rodeo circles and would be too recognizable to sell anyway. So the decision was made to kill him. Billy Hamilton shot the horse in the head, slit its throat, and quartered him, taking the body parts to another location on Wendy Cox's land. His remains were discovered about one week later. J.C. Ray Jackson was arrested in Arkansas on December 5th, the day before her 19th birthday, during a traffic stop. At the press conference announcing her arrest, law enforcement said they had more suspects but declined to say more. What came next would make this case even stranger. J.C. Ray's arrest for the theft of the rodeo team's horses was just the first in McCurtain County, Oklahoma. Another arrest warrant would soon be issued, not just for her, but for her mother as well. The charge? Arson. While I was not able to locate Wendy Cox's entire criminal record, the arson, which took place in August 2010, almost 15 months earlier, makes you wonder if Wendy Cox began to think that she was smarter than the cops she hated. According to the arrest warrant, Cox claimed that her double-wide trailer had been burglarized and burned while she and J.C. were at a rodeo in Arkansas. Also stolen were two guns and a Volkswagen Jetta that was later found being driven by a man named Clay Looper. Wendy Cox, who was a nurse, was caring for the handicapped son of Looper's girlfriend, and Looper claimed that Wendy had asked him to burn the house and he could keep the car for payment. One year later, another witness came forward claiming that Wendy had asked for her help to burn the trailer, but it was not until the horses were stolen that Kevin Clark and J.C. Ray's roommate, Angel Squires, told police that J.C. Ray had told each of them separately that she had burned the house down for the insurance money to pay for a breast augmentation. In other words, J.C. had wanted a boob job. Now it seemed that Wendy Cox was going to up the ante. Having seemingly gotten away with the arson, Wendy next set her sights on cattle rustling. According to testimony by Billy Hamilton and the book Rough Stock, Wendy cooked up the idea in October 2011 to steal cattle from a ranch in Arkansas that they would later sell in Oklahoma and Texas. While Wendy drove the truck and trailer with her younger daughter Jade in the back seat, Hamilton and George Barris stole the cattle, loaded them, and took them to Idabel, Oklahoma and Texarkana, Texas to sell. Hamilton would use his share about $4,000 to buy Wendy Cox an engagement ring. So maybe it wasn't a real stretch for Wendy and J.C. to develop the scheme to steal the horses. J.C. was mad all right, but it wasn't about a rape attempt. It was about being rejected by none other than rodeo team captain Sean Smith. Like most crimes, it would take months for this case to work through the court system to come to trial. 
While J.C. and Wendy were released on bond, another development was taking place. From the time the horses were stolen, it didn't take long for rodeo team members to share their loss on Facebook, and that was quickly followed by news stories about the theft. Soon, no less than nine Facebook groups were started to follow the crime, including one called Justice for Credit Card. Mike Thompson, the author of Rough Stock, was one of those involved in that page. Now, I chose not to interview Mike Thompson about this case, as his book, which you can find on Amazon, thoroughly covered the Facebook group's involvement. However, suffice it to say that social media was a significant factor in the information the public received about the case, much of which was never released by law enforcement. J.C. Ray's own Facebook page included posts that eventually helped implicate her in the case, and there was some suspicion that Wendy Cox also engaged in Facebook conversations under a pseudonym with her own version of the story. Wendy Cox was the first to go to trial in March 2013. From the very beginning, Wendy was smug, and she would smirk at the cameras as she entered the courtroom every day. According to the book Rough Stock, she would often pose if she saw a camera pointed her way. At one point, she was caught taking pictures and recording the statements of the college students who were testifying about the impact of their loss. The judge in the trial ordered that her phone, and it was discovered she had two, were to be confiscated. There would be a lot of finger pointing during the trial, and most was directly at her. Testifying against her was J.C. Ray, Wendy's younger daughter Jade, and George Barris III. Billy Hamilton, her boyfriend, had since taken off for Florida, where he was living with another woman who turned him in to law enforcement. He was extradited back to Arkansas where he too testified. There was also a list of other witnesses that she had bragged to about the case. At the end of the trial, her smug attitude hadn't helped as the jury voted to sentence her to 60 years in prison, one of the longest sentences ever delivered for horse theft for her role in this crazy scheme. She subsequently filed three appeals in 2015 in which she cited that she was not properly represented by counsel, that J.C. Ray had committed perjury, and she continued to claim that sexual misconduct by the rodeo team had occurred, and that was the reason behind the theft. All of her appeals were denied. J.C. Ray finally went to trial in Oklahoma in early January 2014. Unlike her mother, J.C. Ray was often tearful and expressed her regret for being involved. This was in stark contrast, however, to testimony by her friend Kevin Clark, who said that J.C. one day joked, What do you do with a credit card when you can't use it anymore? You cut it up. At that trial, J.C. Ray was sentenced to three and a half years. Following that trial, she was tried in Arkansas, where it was recommended by the prosecutor and agreed to by her defense attorney that she should receive probation due to the influence of Wendy Cox. The fact that probation in this case was even considered was baffling, as J.C. Ray's own words and actions at the very least demonstrated she was an accomplice to the crimes, and apparently Judge Larry Chandler thought so too. He dismissed the recommendation by the prosecutor and sentenced her to 10 years. Eventually, J.C. Ray spent less than a year in the Oklahoma prison, and after transferring to Arkansas to serve her time there, she was paroled after only five months. 
It was reported after her release, she lived with an aunt and uncle in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and later attended a university in Dequeen, Arkansas. Billy Hamilton received 30 years in prison for his part, and George Barish III, who was 17 at the time, and with pleadings by his father, George Barish II, was given probation and returned to the custody of his father, who put him to work in his automotive business. A scholarship fund in the name of Credit Card was established by the family of Sean Smith in 2011. Of the other four horses that were stolen, three were rehabilitated and returned to competition, while one was not able to fully recover and was retired to a farm in Indiana. If you would like to know more about this case and examine our source materials, I invite you to visit our website at crimesagainstnaturepodcast.com. You can also catch up on all of our previous episodes. Again, that's crimesagainstnaturepodcast.com. I want to thank you for the time you're taking to listen to our stories on crimes against nature. This is a very new podcast, and while our audience is growing, we still need your help. So I appreciate it if you would share this podcast with your friends, give us a five-star rating and a review. You can listen to Crimes Against Nature on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you might be listening right now. We also welcome your comments and tips. So visit crimesagainstnaturepodcast.com. Crimes Against Nature is hosted and produced by me, Julie Bryant. Sound design is by Motion Array. All rights reserved by Ladigo Media, LLC. Thanks for listening.